sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old This is going to be a tough play. fans i am sean sears and welcome to another episode of lockdown cubs part of the lockdown network your team every day on today's episode we welcome on ryan davis to kind of break down this cub season so far as we're just over a six of the way through the season he helps us kind of recap the season talk about what we weren't expecting what we did expect what some positive and negative takeaways have been from the season so far and of course just kind of the impact that COVID had on this weekend series with the cardinals and what lasting impact that could be and some ideas that Ryan has to hopefully try and alleviate some of the scheduling burden as the season goes on. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Q Davis. And of course he is writing for Forbes sports and occasionally still doing some Cubs insider stuff. So speaking of Cubs insider, their official partner of lockdown Cubs head to Cubs insider to read about which prospect has next once Nico Horner officially graduates. So which prospect is going to make the impact Nico Horner has once he's officially a regular MLB starter for the Cubs going forward here. So read about that and more at CubsInsider.com, official partner of Lockdown Cubs. You can get Lockdown Cubs in whatever podcast app you use, whether it's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown Cubs. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. With that, I'm going to kick it over to our interview with Ryan Davis. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with an inflammation-fighting compound like Arcana and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off of your next order when you use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKDOWNMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD. MD. All right, Cubs fans, joined with me today is Ryan Davis. He is, of course, our co-host of the show, but he's also a writer for Forbes uh, and does some things for Cubs Insider. I know you do some of the recaps, right? Are you still doing the simulated season? Probably not now that regular baseball started, right? Right, yeah. The, uh, the simulated season ended, thankfully, when <laughs> Major League Baseball made the official announcement that they were 
there was going to be some sort of season this year. So yeah, I, I put that to bed. Uh, I simulated the rest of the season. Cubs won the World Series. Just spoiler alert: they uh, they met the Houston Astros in the World Series. They swept them four games. Done. Well, I guess we don't need to pay attention to us there now that we know this happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is Ryan. YouTube, there's a YouTube video on there that it, I put together that's kind of a fun highlight video for the rest of the, the fun simulation season we were doing at Cubs Insider. So, yeah, go go find that. <laughs> well, Ryan, thanks for being on the show again today. Um, obviously, we don't have baseball this weekend because the Cardinals kind of put that to bed. Or, or didn't put it to bed, whatever you want to call it. Um, obviously, they have now, I think it's 15 staff members that have tested positive for COVID. Um, I saw just, another another one today, I think. Uh, Lane outfielder, Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, at least I know that brings their total, I think, to 11 players then. Um, obviously, the, a massive outbreak for this team. And it sounds like they've already canceled their series with the Brewers coming up this week. So, the Cardinals are still unable to play games right now. And, Subsequently, that meant no Cubs baseball this week. And I know you and I were texting about it before it started. Um, just kind of a bummer this happened. Obviously, the right thing to do. Like, we're not questioning that at all. But just kind of frustrating that, like, of all the teams this is happening with, it had to be the Cardinals. Like, they, yeah. And especially, like, if it is true that they did go to that casino and broke protocol. Um, right. I know there's been conflicting reports or whatnot. But just, like, just super annoying that like the team we typically just find reasons to be mad at gave us a legitimate reason to be mad with them. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, says something a lot about uh, doing things the Cardinal way. <laughs> but but, yeah. A pause for laughs. Uh, yeah. So look, they, there was that kind of uh, unethical almost report that the, they had been a couple players have been seen at a casino I mean, there's no real way to confirm that. Uh, so the fact that whoever it was put it out there, I I don't think that's really the right thing to do. So without the team coming out and saying, yes, this happened, which as far as I understand, John Moseliak has only gone to the media and said that he, you know, they researched, they asked questions and they couldn't come up with a reasonable, you know, way of saying this definitely happened. So nobody's confirming that anyone broke protocol really Mm -hmm. Um, so you're you know i mean anyone who chooses a side on that you're only doing it based on conjecture so we don't know it's possible that they they like the cubs and like many of the other teams are taking this really seriously and followed all the rules and you know obviously people can pick it up you know other ways you know like uh, if a family family member got it and brought it home or they encountered somebody you know, at the grocery store, the gas station, whatever it might be, it, it can happen just about any way. So um, that said, you know, even if the Cardinals did break protocol and go to a casino, it's not, we can't sit here and point fingers and, and snark about the Cardinals because uh, if a Cubs player got it uh, at a gas station or somewhere uh and brought it home or a family member brought it home and then they passed around the clubhouse, we'll be dealing with the exact same thing. So uh, it's, it's really important that I think everybody looks at it through that lens. Whoops. I had muted my mic again by accident. Um, but I was oh. saying, yeah, I agree with you. You don't want to necessarily jump to chastising a team right away just because it, it can happen anyway. And it can happen even with the best circumstances put in place for like protocols or whatnot. So um, it's a bummer it's happening. I think it's a sign that 
baseball, <laughs> major league baseball, and Rob Manford immediately came out and blamed the players. And that was once again, just another like, dude, like pouring salt in the wound type of moment. It felt like a little bit too, but obviously the, the biggest concern is everyone needs to stay healthy. And as long as teams are following these protocols and doing the best they can, you, you hope a season can keep going on, but you know, if this continues to happen, obviously something you're going to have to revisit, but Right. And I think the another point that should be made is, you know, even though I just spent the last five minutes saying, you know, we don't know exactly how this happens, so we can't necessarily point fingers. Um, I also think at this point, going forward, I think any team that's, you know, you have to set a limit on games, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have to be able to say, okay, from this point going forward with, you know, 45-ish games left in this season and you're not going past that you know end date um maybe like four games and and that you could be making up and then after that you just have to start forfeiting so if you have an outbreak somebody tests positive you have to push back four games you know maybe you can make that work with seven inning double headers but you know the cardinals there's zero chance they're going to make up all these games there have to be no they, they have to make some line in the sand on if, you, if players start testing positive, you can only push back so many games. We're not going to try and make up all of them. We're not going to, you know, I mean, there's no way the Cardinals can possibly make up all those games. And Major League Baseball has come up with zero solution on it so far. <laughs> so yeah, there has to be some sort of agreement with everybody, you know, after X amount of games, postponed you're just going to start forfeiting i think you have to like you said there's no way they're going to play these games and with them only expanding the postseason and hopefully taking more revenue from that as well like there's just too much money on the line past september 17th or whatever the season ends to extend this any further so i think it's fair it's a bummer it's a weird season but i think with a weird season like this you can have sort of more sort of more of like dire consequences for situations like this especially when like the greater good is the the season so right yeah yeah and i mean by the time the cubs play the cardinals it's possible they're going to be playing the uh whatever they are the springfield cardinals yeah uh, they're 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 makeshift whatever it is, triple A team or uh, whatever they're calling it. Yeah. yeah taxi squad, whatever taxi it is. Squad, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a good chance the cops will be playing that. And it's like, at that point, this is even a competitive season for them, you know? So there's like, there's a whole lot of things that I don't think baseball anticipated and is probably hoping they'll just handle it. If it gets there <laughs> right. type of thing, although, which although the, uh, the taxi squad Marlins are seven and two or eight and two or whatever they are yeah. now. <laughs> Uh, so, stupid uh, yeah the marlins yeah. running away with the nl east um, <laughs> um that'll probably even itself out you hope at some point but that's the other thing too with these 60 game seasons like anything can freaking happen so um the marlins with people that have never played baseball in the major leagues winning the division um but you know it is, right. what it is. Uh, Taking a look at this Cubs team, though, obviously 10 and 3. They've been really good. They've played some teams that haven't been so good. And obviously, you know, everyone wants to not give the credit to the Cubs for winning those games. But it's still, you know, if if the Cubs have lost those games, we would just be livid with them. So they've taken care of business when they've needed to right now at 10 and 3, a four game lead over Cincinnati and St. Louis in the NL Central. They've played really good, obviously. And this is with a pretty 
I mean, suspicious bullpen, I guess you could call it. It's pretty, there's probably more strong words you could use, but obviously this bullpen hasn't been great. They don't really have a real closer at the moment. There's a lot of questions there, but the Cubs are still winning despite it. So a lot of really good things are coming out of this season. What's been the most surprising for you so far, Ryan? Um, I guess uh, the starting rotation has been pretty surprising. And honestly, the way the offense has kind of hit like a cohesive unit for the first time in about three years, yeah, that's been very surprising. I think a lot of that is due to how well Ian Happ has hit and the, I guess, uh, frequent playing time that he's getting. Um, guys like Wilson Contreras and Anthony Rizzo are hitting really well as well. Uh, Kyle Schwarber's had some home runs. So, I mean, there's a few guys that they haven't gotten off to a good start. Like uh, Jason Hayward hasn't looked very good. Um, Nico Horner has not been very good with the bat at all um, after that uh, first few games. So yeah, they've, um, there's been some interesting aspects to how the Cubs have started really hot with the season. And the other part of it that's really very backwards is uh, they've won a lot of close games. So they're 10 and three, but they've scored 65 runs and allowed 58. So they're really, uh, you know, kind of right there. And on the flip side, the teams that win a lot of close games typically have really good bullpens. The Cubs do not. Uh, they've had, Strong performances from Rowan Wick and Jeremy Jeffress. Uh, Casey Sadler's been pretty good, but you know even guys like you know Kyle Ryan has been not great a couple times. Dwayne Underwood Jr. I think there's con- concern about his velocity um, that his stuff hasn't looked very good. He's been hit hard a couple times. Uh, they've you know everyone knows about Kimbrel's problems, but I, do you trust Dan Winkler when he comes in? Um, <laughs> I don't really trust Rex Brothers, who's not with the team anymore. He's at the uh, on the taxi squad now. Uh, James Norwood and Brad Wick are on the IL. Dylan Maples is with the taxi squad. So there's a lot of guys in that bullpen that you just really can't trust. Um, I, I, I think at this point, you can kind of hope that Wick can continue pitching well and that maybe Kyle Ryan will straighten it out and be a little bit more consistent like last year. Mm-hmm. that maybe Sadler will continue pitching well and that Jeremy Jeffress will. Now, Jeffress, also another guy who has diminished velocity. He's more 91, 92, 93 on his fastball now. A couple years ago when he was so good with Milwaukee, uh, that was more 95, 96. So yeah. that is a cause for concern. But so far he's pitched six innings. He hasn't allowed a hit. He's walked one guy, he struck out four, and he has a hit by pitch. So he's been good. The results have been really good, but I think, you know, if we, if we look at it objectively, there are a couple times that he came into a game, got the job done, but didn't do it really in a way that should inspire confidence. So yeah. uh, the first one that comes to mind is the bases loaded hard <laughs> line out <laughs> that Joey Votto just crushed oh. on the center, right at Albert Almora. Uh, not the best. And the batter before that with the bases loaded, he threw him a three, two pitch that was like, two feet off the plate that some guy swung at so uh, a couple times it's just i i when i analyze it it doesn't look good but the job got done so i'm hoping that in a short season jeremy jeffress can put enough of those together and maybe as the season goes on the velocity might tick up so that's kind of like the lay of it for me (laughs) is the offense has been good and has surprised uh, and 
the bullpen for some reason has been closing out a lot of close games despite being garbage overall. Yeah, it's not been pretty. None of it has. And there's been a couple good outings for the bullpen. I know like last weekend they strung up a couple. I think it was like two games, maybe three games in a row. They went with out allowing a run. I think it was just two games a Saturday and Sunday, and that was good. But those also came after strong pitching performances from, I think, John Lester and Tyler Chatwood. So, like, you know, when the bullpen only has to go two innings, or I guess the John Lester game was the extra innings one, and they did go five mm-hmm. innings there. And that was that was impressive. Um, I think there's concern at the back end. Obviously, Rowan Wick has been really strong. He's looked super good. You can hope that you, you – you pray, I guess, at this point that Kyle Ryan is that guy. He's your only lefty in your in your bullpen right now, um, and probably will be for at least a little while longer. So, um, you, I mean, you would assume he figures things out. He was so good all of last year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll level things out. There's four and two thirds innings of work. So, yeah, there's definitely concerns, but I, I I can see where Ross is starting to at least build some trust with some guys like Sadler, Wick, Jeffress, and hopefully Ryan are, are four guys you can start leaning on a little bit more. But yeah, beyond that, even then, like it's not like if it's a close three one game with bases loaded, I'm not looking at Rowan Wick. I'm like, okay, I feel good. You know, that's never right. <laughs> and that probably won't there probably won't be a guy in this bullpen that'll be like this, which is concerning. But the starting rotation yeah. has looked really good, like you mentioned. Um, and that's been a huge surprise. We knew Kyle, we knew Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish would be probably pretty close to what we saw last year, but John Lester, Alec Mills, Tyler Chatwood, all three of these guys have pitched really well. Obviously Chatwood got beat up a little bit in his last start, but I know we were talking before um, he still looked pretty good and he's looked really good in his last couple starts. He leads the starters and strikeouts of 23, 11 of those coming in that final start against the pirates. But, um, He's been kind of good, which is really nice to see, but obviously concerning, like a pause for concern, you know? Yeah, I mean, and then we haven't even talked about Jose Quintana, who will be coming back at some point. Um, Chatwood in his last game, you and I talked about this a little bit before we started. Um, it, It wasn't like bad Tyler Chatwood of 2018, right? So like in 2018 Chatwood couldn't control his pitches at all and he walked everybody and you know usually we give up a big hit with a you know two on and one out or something like that just get blown up early uh this Tyler Chatwood still had great stuff on that in that game against the Royals and in the first inning I think he had a couple strikeouts where um that two seamer just like ran from inside to right over the you know inside corner of the plate for a you know, strike three looking just really beautiful and well commanded pitches. Uh, so I don't think his stuff was bad and he wasn't wild. I think there was some kind of bad BABIP luck stuff going on. He gave yeah. up, up a couple home runs. So I don't, I'm not throwing out Tyler Chatwood's first two excellent games because of that game. Mm-hmm. I'm also still a little bit skeptical. I'm not certain he can continue at this uh, kind of really excellent pace that he's been on uh, despite the one clunker. I don't, I don't think he's that good, but I think when Jose Quintana comes back, he almost makes a lot of sense in my mind to go to the bullpen um, because we saw what his stuff played up at last year when he went to the pen, where his fastball was touching a hundred. Um, so yeah. I think with his stuff, that could be, you know, if that's a guy that you could use sort of like Joe Madden did with him last year, where you could 
often use him as, you know, a bridge guy who can throw two innings for you, that might be a really good way to kind of help the bullpen. I know that's probably a conversation we all had uh, a year ago when we talked about how he could be used in the bullpen, but I really do think that could be that he could be a weapon in the pen if Jose Quintana comes back healthy and, and pitches extremely well and Alec Mills continues to pitch well as well. Yeah, I, I think that makes the most sense. If you're working in a guy like Quintana and he does start pitching like Jose Quintana has been the last couple of years, still like pretty good, um, especially in a short 60-game season, I think Chatwood is probably the guy you use if – Quintana can only go four or five innings, you know, and then it's Chatwood for two, three, and then you get it to maybe a reliever and the bullpen kind of gets a break that day. Um, not that they, I guess, maybe don't necessarily need one with a shortened season, but still that, that makes more sense to me than trying to put Quintana in the, in the bullpen and have him do something he's never done before. I know a lot of people were really against taking Chatwood or Mills out of the rotation uh, maybe about a week ago, but I think after seeing Chatwood, you know, the, stop walking on water for a second um (laughs) um, they they, I think they was like yeah this makes more sense so I I think that's probably the plan too the Cubs are gonna play by year obviously but um, I'm interested to see what happens when Quintana gets back hopefully I mean it sounds like they were able to attach all the nerves in his thumb and he's been able to throw and is getting really close to coming back like some we'll, we'll probably hear more news about it probably Tuesday I would guess at the latest about what's going on with Quintana um so that's something to look forward to. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, the rotation has been really good. And I, John Lester's been a big surprise. He's, you know, not necessarily striking guys out, but he's not really walking a ton of guys either. He's not getting hit really hard. I think he's only allowed four hits through like 11 innings of work so far. Um, obviously, he's only had two starts, but he's been great. Alec Mills has been fun to watch. It's great to see him throw like 92, 93, and then break out that like 67 mile an hour curveball. Um, <laughs> just a funny guy to watch pitch. And, when he's executing, he's he's a ton of fun. So it's it's been nice to see the Cubs pitching. It's just uh, it's been even nicer to see guys like scoring and the Cubs scoring runs past like the fifth inning and not just you know getting two runs in the first inning off a home run and then just trying to win the game three to three to two at the end of the game. Just like <laughs> it's nice to see the rest of this. Like you were talking about, the bottom half of this lineup has been hitting. Ian Happ's been a huge part of that. David Bodie was having a nice start to the season too. Nico Horner was good until about last week when he, I think teams figured out again, he just swings at a lot of things. Um, <laughs> so, but there's still a lot of encouraging things. It is interesting to see when you go to their baseball reference page and see that I think like the first four guys leading the team in more are pitchers right now, which is common to start a season, but it's like Jeremy Jeffers, Hugh Darvish, John Lester, and Alec Mills, like four guys, maybe one of those guys I would have expected in that bump, but like I wouldn't expect Alec Mills to be leading the Cubs in more right now. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't think of him as a, a typical top five guy uh, in more, but yeah. Um, John Lester is another guy that I think we should talk about. Um, mm-hmm. He started really well last year and then really got hit hard uh, basically from May to the end of the year. So uh, a short season might be really something that helps him quite a bit, not having to go over the entirety of a season. Um, so that I think that could really be a boost if John Lester goes into, you know, assuming they make it to a playoff spot. Um, that he goes into a playoff series as somebody who's, you know, uh, valuable. Uh, man, what a career that guy's had with the Cubs. Seriously. But, uh, like Alec Mills, like you talked about, I remember reading uh, a few days ago, uh, and I can't remember where, so I can't credit it, but uh, that 
Alec Mills, when he arrived with the Cubs, said that um, he compared himself most with Kyle Hendricks and that no one had ever taught him how to, um, you know, pitch to changing speeds, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was excited to learn from Hendricks so that he could learn about how Kyle Hendricks uses the, the differential in his speeds to keep batters off balance. So I think there's a lot of hope for a guy like Alec Mills who does have that differential in the several different pitches that he throws all at different uh, miles per hour um, for him to be able to use that, you know, 92 mile an hour fastball and that 65 mile an hour curve. Uh, if he can command those pitches, I think he can be a really good number five starter. Yeah, definitely. And especially if the Cubs are looking at not spending money, at least not in the rotation for, I mean, they're going to probably have to sign pitchers, but um, avoiding a big payday contract for some guys like a guy like Elk Mills in this rotation for the next couple of years, buys you some time until maybe a guy like Braylon Marquez is really to be a part of this rotation. Hopefully that's next year, but you know, yeah, having Elk Mills and, in the mix is good. <laughs> right. And yeah, I mean, I've seen some people already start talking about this, about maybe uh, re-signing Tyler Chatwood. I'm not a huge fan of the idea, mm-hmm. but if they do keep him in the rotation and he continues to pitch extremely well, you know, maybe you could give him two more years and see if he helps bridge to some of those guys like Braylon Marquez or, or anybody else who might be coming up in the system that uh, could realistically take a rotation spot. Because I think going into next year, you pretty much are only locked into Alec Mills, you Darvish and uh, Kyle Hendricks, right? I don't think yeah. Quintana has another year after this year. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. You're the, you lose Quintana. This is a contract year for Quintana. So. And and Lester is assuming he doesn't vest on that final option. Yeah, which I I mean I would, I who knows I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. I mean he's he, he's about at it. I don't know. I, I I think it's interesting the way they were they've been using Lester. I know. Um, I think with the approach of like you know give us five innings and we'll go from there, is is allowed him to kind of use his best bullets early on in games and kind of like get a better idea of gauging how long he's going to be in games it's not so much like yeah if I push myself here I can get to the six or the seventh it's like give us five and we'll go from there um and I I like that approach a lot but speaking of approach I guess what have you thought about David Ross we haven't really talked about him yet but obviously he's been probably the biggest difference for this year to last year outside of like the obvious the season's weird but um I like David Ross a lot so far yeah, I've uh, I've thought he's done a really good job. I can't tell if some of the decisions he's made is because it's a short season or if it's uh, just how he manages or, 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 you know, kind of approaches managing for a full season. But like uh, the quick hook with Kimbrel, um, that's not something we would have really seen with Joe Madden in previous years. Yeah, uh, he would have stuck with him much longer, I think, than David Ross did. And Ross was... I think after that first game, pretty ready to come out and grab Kimbrel as soon as he could and to put other guys in save situations. Uh, and really, I think that's what is has been the difference between the 10-3 and three start this year and the 2-7 and seven start last year was in managing the bullpen. However you want to say Madden went about it, some, from some point of views, it was almost like he was putting the bad pitchers in situations where they were getting hurt as if a 
of a, a snarky way to send a message to the front office like i'm using the guys you give me and i can't do any better than that uh <laughs> or if it was on the less cynical side just madden trying to figure out who he had and who he could trust and trying to show confidence in guys whereas you know it just wasn't working with carl edwards jr and it wasn't working with some of those other guys um uh, David Ross, on the other hand, has gravitated towards the guys that uh, are more trustworthy, the guys we talked about, like Rowan Wick and Jeremy Jefferson, to an extent, Kyle Ryan, based on his track record. And as he's seen guys like Dwayne Underwood Jr. Uh, not have that velocity that you expect out of him, not have this the good stuff that you saw last season, he's pushed him towards the back of the bullpen he's pushed guys like uh breck's brothers to the back of the bullpen and brad wick dylan maples so he's really figured out who he can get outs from and i think that's why despite having such a terrible bullpen uh, their bullpen has no official losses on the season yeah. kyle hendricks you darvish and tyler chatwood all have uh, each earned a loss but as bad as the bullpen has been they've literally not cost the Cubs a game this year. And I think that's a really big um, thing you can credit to David Ross. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think uh, Joe Madden very much had a tendency of letting guys figure things out in the moment. And if that meant, you know, they were going to give up a couple of runs while trying to do it, you know, so be it. But um, just too many times <laughs> did that happen. Like it was just too many, too many silly moments where you just got so frustrated because like, you just knew like these guys didn't have it. They haven't had it all season. You need to have a quicker hook with these guys and it just didn't quite happen. So it's refreshing to see now, you know, David Ross could have made these decisions and it could have still blown up in his face. Like, you know, it still comes down to these guys doing it, but it's nice to see someone at least not be afraid to make that change in that moment, especially when it like so clearly needs to happen. Like everyone knew Kimbrell just, even with good stuff, like was not fooling hitters at that point um, when he got pulled right. that time. And, you know, it's, it's a bummer, but you know, hopefully Kimbrell can find a way to contribute at some point this year. So, but I've just liked the way he's approached Ross itself to the game. And um, I know it feels like the players are really buying in whatever you want to say about David Ross being the eternal optimist or whatever, you know, but at least the players seem excited to play. They're definitely in like, I don't know awesome moods in the bolt and the dugout. We see these like crazy gifts coming out after home runs or whatnot. It's just fun to see the Cubs have fun with this. And I think a lot of that has to do with David Ross. It feels like he's just done a good job of bringing guys together, despite being in a pandemic where you're kind of supposed to do the opposite. So. Yeah. And it does make me kind of wonder um, if they had made the move after 2018 to bring in Ross uh, how different their season last year might have been. Right. Uh, it still would have been a flawed team, the same flawed team that only won whatever it was, 84 games, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, who knows Who knows if he handles the bullpen different. Uh, I think that's kind of a fun what if, not to, not to bang our fists on the table about and rehash the <laughs> entire Joe Madden era about, because I don't, right. don't want to do that. But I think it's, it's kind of a fun what if to think uh, based on the way David Ross is handling the team this year if he had come in at the beginning of last year if, if we might have had a different season yeah so we're saying 13 games into 2020 Joe Madden's already better than or Joe Madden is worse than David Ross already so, just <laughs> well, I swear <laughs> no. yeah I I will say that I think David Ross's managerial style is more adept 
to uh, players today in 2020 uh, than Joe Madden's style. And I think Matt, if Matt, if you can fault Madden with anything, it's not that he didn't try, um, but his, you know, his players have evolved and he's aged. And I don't think his style matches uh, a lot of what players uh, respond to these days. So um, he needs to adapt uh, basically. And I think he can do that. He's a smart guy. And I think he's aware um, I remember him talking one time about reading like uh, a book about how to connect with millennials, you know, like yeah. <laughs> he, he clearly understands and is smart enough to know that he, his style has kind of gotten old uh, and he's trying to connect with the players. So I, I think he will figure it out. But at this moment in time, maybe David Ross is more equipped to handle some of these guys than Joe Madden. Yeah, I will say, and this is very meatball-y of me to say this, but it could also be that you look at David Ross in a baseball uniform and it's like, oh, yeah, that guy played baseball. And then you see Joe Madden come out of the dugout in a baseball uniform like, oh, that guy maybe played baseball like 30 years ago. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's I mean, he's been coaching baseball since like the early 80s, I'm fairly sure. Yeah. Um, I might be wrong on that. I know he was uh, with the Angels in the late 90s. I think he actually uh, was like interim manager with the angels in maybe 96 or 97. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like uh, he's been around the game a long time and there's a lot to be said about that. He's very intelligent. Um, he gets under a lot of people's skin, but the guy <laughs> yeah. wins. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think his management style has gotten a bit stale and is kind of the players have evolved beyond it, but I, I, fully trust that if there's anybody in the game who would actually evolve and and willingly do so it's joe madden yeah because uh, because he we've seen it before uh guys like dusty baker i mean that that guy's a dinosaur in the game you know and he doesn't <laughs> evolve um he he resists i'll say it that way he he has changed but he resists change at every single turn um so yeah i i think joe madden's gonna be just fine yeah I would say so too. He was a fun guy to have here and obviously forever grateful for the things he was able to do for us. But I think, yeah, right. no, I don't think anyone's yeah. upset about and, it at this point. And yeah. Can we talk about, I guess the, the weird notions of people saying things like uh, that, that guy I'll never have to buy a, a beer in Chicago ever again. And, <laughs> and Joe Madden, I think some fans were ready to ride him out on a rail after game seven when they won. And yeah, I I've been one of the more vocal people about like, they did not win game seven because of Joe Madden. They won it <laughs> in spite of Joe Madden. That's not a, a whole thing on the entire 2016 season because they're nowhere near that good without Joe Madden that year. But for mm -hmm. that one game, Joe Madden held them back and they won anyway. <laughs> uh, so I think there's a lot of people who he lost with that and then in some of the issues that happened in the years after it's it's really interesting to analyze how the joe madden era uh ended in chicago it, it almost does feel like maybe it went on a year too long and that i mean that's mostly retrospect but um i think as much as a lot of cubs fans love and appreciate joe i think there's um somewhat of a lukewarm sentiment uh, I, I think I think there might be some people who like Lou Pinella more than Joe Madden still oh my which God. doesn't make any sense but yeah it's just weird to see how the overall opinion of the fan base is 
okay, yeah, we liked this guy. He won. But it's not like holding him up on some sort of pedestal. Yeah, he's not like a Mike Dick uh, type of like no. guy or Phil Phil Jackson for that matter too. Who's probably you know, one of the, if not the best, Chicago sports coach ever. But um, I mean, there's been some pretty good coaches. That's a tough tough draw. But um, <laughs> I think I think baseball fans in Chicago in general love Ozzie Guillen more than they do uh, Joe Madden. He's like a funny guy, and I like have interacted with him a few times at NBC. Really nice dude. But yeah, I. He's like an okay manager. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of Sox fans who would love to have him back. Oh, yeah. They would be so in. They'd be like, Rick who? Yeah, let's bring Ozzy in. <laughs> um, yeah. Taking a look at the Central, obviously the, the Brewers and the Cards are two teams that haven't been able to play too much, but we're getting a good look at the Cincinnati Reds, who I think the Cubs caught at a good time in terms of like scheduling. Maybe not a good time for like COVID testing or whatnot, obviously, but in a moment where the Reds weren't quite 100%. Because um, Nick Castellanos looks really good. Um, <laughs> God. Like, Damn like, you, Tom Ricketts. I know. Like, God, he's so good. Um, just crushing baseballs. Like, makes me wish if the Cubs knew the DH was coming sooner. If they'd pony up, they probably still wouldn't have. To be like, what about Kyle Schwarber? Where's he going to play? Uh, but anyways, because um, <laughs> he has to be with DH. Um, but yeah. Uh, the Central is going to – I mean, the Cubs have a four-game lead over the Cards and, and Reds right now, obviously, but that's going to tighten up. Like, the Cubs are going to start playing some more difficult teams. The Central's going to start playing games. Um, it's going to be a tight division, but this Reds team is really starting to scare me. They look really good with a rotation that already has probably two, three guys that could really just shut down a lineup at any point. And then you had Nick Castellanos, and hopefully Eugenio Suarez starts hitting. Joey Votto's look better. Mike Moustakis was a good addition. Like, they're all these – players the reds added you're like oh yeah that's right oh yeah that's right oh and they had amir garrett and it's like crap this team is kind of loaded like how did this happen in cincinnati um right i'm really scared about them i don't know what about you yeah i mean they do have a lot of really good bats um castellanos Mm -hmm. who we've talked about uh cubs fans have seen him they know how good he is he's at seven home runs um that's insane (laughs) that is an insane pace um I assume he's not going to be able to keep that up. But then they've got uh, Nick Senzel, who hasn't really hit a lot yet, but uh, who's a really you know top prospect of theirs. Who's, Super talented. Yeah, uh, yeah really good uh, playing center field. Uh, you've got, like you said, Eugenio Suarez. Got to say it the Pat Hughes way. Um, hasn't hit it all yet, but you know that guy's going to break out. Joey Votto is going to break out. So like they've got really good bats. And then on the pitching side, they may have one of the better rotations in the big leagues. Uh, Trevor Bauer in three starts, 0.93 ERA. Sonny Gray, three starts, 0.96 ERA. Uh, Anthony DiSclafani, two starts, 11 innings, zero runs allowed. Um, Luis Castillo, he's their best pitcher, but, um, you know, in theory anyway, I think he's got the best stuff, uh, but he has a 4.76 ERA. You know, he's better than that. Right. Um, Tyler Maley, a guy who the Cubs have, um, you know, struggled against in the past, a guy who's not like a top of the rotation guy. He has a 1.80 ERA in 10 innings. So like the rotation is just mowing guys down outside of Wade Miley, who made that one start. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The rotation's been great. Uh, Their bullpen hasn't been over the top great. I think Rysela Iglesias has given up some runs, but like, Lucas Sims has pitched well. Amir Garrett's really good. Um, 
you know, a couple of the other guys, Michael Lorenzen's struggled, but uh, they've got Matt Davidson yeah. uh, pitching, which is kind of insane. I think he <laughs> didn't he have a game recently where he pitched and then hit a home run. Yeah, he did. Uh, which is <laughs> awesome. I love those two way guys. I know I've said this on this podcast before, yeah. but like they've got Michael Lorenzen and Matt Davidson, you know, like, damn it. Yeah. Like, that's cool. <laughs> I, I want the Cubs to have at least one. That'd be really awesome. Yeah. I would be, I really, really wanted the Cubs to be in on Shohei Itani. And I know they were, but it was a long shot, but yeah, I'm kind of glad now at least they didn't do that. Cause that would be just so typical Cubs to get a guy like that and him not play at all. But um, yeah, those, those two, eight players are always fun to watch, but the Reds are good. They're a talented team and they're much better than seven and eight or they, they won today. So they're eight and eight now. So they're at 500. They're going to find their way back into the, I'm sure the thick of this division. I'm sure the Cardinals, once they do start playing games, assuming <laughs> they don't have to forfeit too many games, or if that does happen, we'll be back in this. The Brewers, I, I really don't know what to think of them. The Pirates, obviously not really a part of the association here, but um, this is going to be a tough division. I, I think it's going to get tighter. I'm, so glad the Cubs got out to this early lead, but I'm also kind of just anticipating a little bit of regression just because, yeah. like you said, they, they've won despite a lot going on, uh, not in the direction you'd want it. So, Yeah, I mean, yeah, you want the bullpen to be better, and I think it will be going forward. Um, I know they signed Kelvin Herrera, uh, who the White Sox released. I don't know if they're going to get uh, anything out of him. Yeah, same with like Cody uh, Allen, I think as well, right? For yeah, me. yeah, right. So you've got these guys who are kind of like the guys you should be picking up and yeah. and giving a shot and seeing, you know, if they can give you something. Um, uh, he, uh, Herrera specifically was really bad with the White Sox, yeah. uh, just really not good. So you don't know what you're getting with him. I think he's not that old, so maybe you get something, but that's a really big unknown same with Cody Allen really not not very good last year but um if if one of those guys can come in and give you a little bit give you anything um maybe they can kind of piece together a bullpen and if it is Quintana in the bullpen maybe he can help you otherwise you know again I if they do put Quintana back in the rotation I think Tyler Chatwood probably helps in the bullpen more than say Alec Mills does yeah I think Mills is Mills's value is much higher as that, you know, uh, fifth starter doesn't make too much money. He has a lot of value doing that. And I think that's a guy you maybe you want to invest in a little bit more uh, as a starter going forward than say Tyler Chatwood, who could touch a hundred in the bullpen. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, there was one other thing. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the tweet from Brett uh, after the Cubs had signed Allen and Herrera. Uh, he said something like, the Cubs have the best 2018 bullpen I've ever seen or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> they do. Yeah. That's, and man, isn't that kind of sad how that that's, they put together the bullpen and uh, <laughs> they just go out and grab these, like, you know, guys who are just at the end of their prime thinking back to last year with Brandon Kinsler and Steve Ciszek. Yeah. Um, some of these guys that they're bringing into the bullpen, it's just, it's not good. They need to reevaluate how they build their bullpen. And it's been better this year, but especially last year, I just remember thinking there was nobody in the pen who threw 94, like 94 <laughs> for a really big chunk of the year. Uh, and it's been better this year with, you know, uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr. 
is diminished a little bit, but he normally was thrown at least 96. Brad Wick can throw, I think, 96. So, uh, I'm sorry, Rowan Wick. Uh, but yeah, some of these guys have been throwing harder. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's good, but they still have, it just seems like a disease that uh, when guys come to the Cubs, their velocity diminishes. Like, uh, you know, look at Jeremy Jeffress and, and what's happening with uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr., what happened with Carl Edwards Jr. It just seems like everybody's fastball just loses like three miles an hour as soon as they get to the Cubs. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. It's a bummer, but it's definitely – like you can you can see what the Cubs are trying to do at least now, where as opposed to last year, it was definitely just like maybe these guys will figure it out. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> we we had Jesse Chavez close games for us two years ago, so this is better, right? Maybe not. But <laughs> um, one last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up here: this defense, uh, obviously, big difference from last year to this year, despite it being roughly the same guys. Like I remember seeing a tweet from you maybe like a week or so ago where it was just like something like has to have happened. Like this defense went from being like looking like it was on a like downward swing to, you know, leading the league in defensive run saves this year. Um, obviously small sample size, but just across the board, we've seen incredible plays. Like Chris Bryant's looked incredible at third base. Not that I don't think either one of us thought he was bad. Like the rest of the national media tried to paint him as last year or this offseason. Um, but like David Bodie's looked really good. Kyle Schwarber's made some great plays in center or in left field. Al Moore made a couple good plays. Jason Hayward's Jason Hayward. Like Nico Horner's look good at second base. Like you can pick a position and probably think of like five or six plays that have been really stand out from each one of them this year. And it's obviously showing, but what the heck changed? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to know. I'd, I'd really love somebody to dig deep on uh, what exactly happened. Is it just you know, a, a change in coaching style or a new coach that has helped some of these guys. Um, I know that I've seen Bryant had worked individually with one of the, one of the fielding coaches on some changes, maybe mechanically at third base, sure. but like this is more than just Chris Bryant, you know, fixing things up mechanically and being better at third. Uh, we saw David Bodie make several plays already this year that um, I don't think we would have seen last year. Uh, yeah. Bodie, botched a whole bunch of you know pretty routine plays last season we haven't seen that out of him uh ian happ has looked for the most part better in center field he's still not great out there but he's looked better kyle schwarber continues to improve in left hayward like you said is hayward and right um at pretty much every position rizzo has been uh outstanding as he normally is uh with uh, Contreras and caratini even with Contreras, the the framing the pitch framing has been better he's still not great and some with some pitchers i see him still struggle kind of stabbing at the ball but uh so far his pitch framing has been average and with the bat and his other defensive skills that makes him pretty much an elite player so yeah there's been all this change this positive change on defense it just seems more cohesive like everybody knows where they're supposed to be and isn't making boneheaded plays outside of that bad rundown early on in the season. Uh, for the most part, it's been really clean, and I'd really love uh, somebody to do it, maybe like Sahadev at The Athletic, to do like a really deep dive on what exactly changed to turn them from a team that used to be great defensively, that still had all the talent, but just no longer was. What brought them back to being a great defensive team again? Yeah, I'm sure Sahadov's already cooking up that story. I feel like I'd love to probably, see it. Yeah, I'm sure that was like probably like first weekend 
Chris Bryant turns the triple play. He's like, uh, so this defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the triple plays in air quotes, of course, but still. Yeah. Play in our so, hearts. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know what? That's what the box score says, right? Triple yeah, play. Exactly. But um, that's about it, man. I mean, this has been a weird season. It's hard to get super excited for everything just because you're nervous that this could at some point just kind of be over before it really gets going. But it's been fun to see the Cubs play good. I am still like like that <laughs> that Royals game uh, definitely brought back some pretty painful memories from last year where I just felt like every time the Cubs did something good, it was like, okay, well, here's how they lose the series. And like <laughs> – you know it just felt like there was like one step forward two steps back two steps forward you know someone gets hurt um and that hasn't happened yet this year and they've had really good luck with COVID and you know that's hopefully that stays the same but you know that'd be a little naive to not expect something to happen there but um yeah I don't know this team has played a lot better and it's been a lot more fun to watch baseball on the on the north side this year so but any uh any parting thoughts before we uh, wrap up yeah, um, I think uh, it's important to note, uh, I don't remember again who, I can't credit whoever wrote this, but I read that when the Cubs are traveling on the road, they're kind of creating their own bubble, uh, which is really smart. Um, mm-hmm. They've been booking hotels, as I understand it, with uh, that have like their own kind of outdoor spaces that the yeah. Cubs can like kind of monopolize. They put up like a tent. Uh, they're serving their, their players three boxed meals a day in addition to the meal money that they give them so they can make other choices for their food as well. So like the Cubs are, it seems going above and beyond to make this as comfortable as possible. The other thing I saw is that they're sending buses uh, to the uh, hotel to take players to the ballpark, like every 20 minutes Mm -hmm. so that, you know, what players can kind of go when they're comfortable and they don't all have to cram onto a bus altogether. Uh, so yeah it seems like the Cubs are going out of their way to make it easy for the players to continue to stay healthy and you know make the right decisions Uh, so hopefully that means the Cubs can make it through it not necessarily just for uh, the purposes of playing all the games but to keep all the players healthy because it's important uh, from a human standpoint Uh, hopefully they can make it all the way through without anybody testing positive and that other teams can do that too. And we can actually make it through this really improbable, weird season. Um, you know, it, it just would be a shame if uh, one team like the Cardinals just completely got a, the rest of the year shut down because they, they couldn't stop getting sick uh, or, or any other team that, that it might happen to. I, I think that's, that's my major concern going forward with the season. I don't know what will happen with the Cubs or whether they're, good enough to win a world series or not i think in a year like this maybe they are uh just because it's so weird and so many teams might have that chance but um i I would really hate to see other teams being unable to to keep their players healthy derailing this season yeah and it as much as we like to rag on the rickets like kudos to them for at least allowing the front office to be able to put this all together and and give them the resources to do this. Like not every team is taking care of their players like, like this. So as much as we rag on the rickets, like you do have to give them some credit here. Granted, I don't know how much they did other than sign a check to something, but you know, yeah, (laughs) the opposite is more PR, PR shit storms. And I think they already create enough of that on their own. So I'm sure it was an easy decision, (laughs) but it's nice to see it. I think that was Mark Carrick from the athletic who wrote that up. And I saw that it was the Yankees were taking some extra steps too, as well. It's nice to see teams that 
do have the assets that can take care of their players do that so that right isn't, that isn't always the norm here but yeah who knows maybe uh nick castellanos will get a good feeling and he'll opt out after this year like he's able to in his reds contract and then the cubs will swoop, swoop in and snatch him up for a few years yeah we can dream right i mean everyone thought mookie betts was coming to chicago so yeah <laughs> Mookie Betts was ever going to end up in Chicago it was going to be in a White Sox uniform probably well Ryan it was awesome talking with you man it's always nice to get you on here maybe once baseball starts we can recap a Cleveland series or something like that talk about sounds good reminisce about the the great memories we have in Cleveland I think so I saw somebody pointed out on Twitter that uh, with the rotation lined up the way it is you've got Kyle Hendricks on a Wednesday night in Cleveland (laughs) I mean, I don't know anyone that goes on vacation in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> you you think Cleveland's cool? <laughs> At least we're not Detroit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what did what did the Cincinnati Reds Twitter account say? Cleveland, a town so nice. LeBron left twice. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cleveland tried to like jab back with something like, "Oh, how like what's Cincinnati's basketball team record?" They just said undefeated. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get dunked on stupid fantastic right well screw cleveland yeah them they're stupid indians uh whatever uh (laughs) anyways brian it's always awesome having you on man we'll have to do this again soon sounds good all right that will do it here for today's episode of lockdown cubs a little bit longer but it was always fun to get ryan on the show and kind of just take a more in-depth look into the season break down some of the things we're excited about obviously the rotation is definitely something to take a look at the lineup has been obviously very impressive there's things to keep an eye on we're hoping the cubs can sustain some of the success success once the uh competition starts to stiffen up a little bit but always nice to have ryan in the show make sure you're following him on twitter at ryan q davis and check out some of his recent work at forbes sports and occasionally he'll still do some cubs insider work as well but to get this show over day, to remember you need to subscribe to Lockdown Cubs and whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, TuneIn app, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And if you have any questions or concerns about the podcast, email us at LockdownCubs at Gmail or reach out to us on Twitter at LockdownCubs. Our DMs are open. Make sure you check out the latest episode of Lockdown MLB hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Selly. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown MLB after this episode of Lockdown Cubs. And then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning into your guys' daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs.